The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Schneider. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network, Blue Wire Podcast. Spring is here, you know, not literally, but spiritually it's here. Spring training, the sights and sounds. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers baseball is back in our lives to a degree, watching workout videos. Games will be upon us this weekend. And we'll talk about all that, but there's more immediate and pressing news we have to talk about. But before we get into all that, Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Andrew. Um, we got some some good news, some fun news, some heartwarming news today. So that certainly doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't, and we'll rip the bandaid straight off and get into the news. Uh, uh, the news that came out today, reported by John Heyman, the Brewers have re-signed Brandon Woodruff to a two-year deal. Uh, after he was non-tendered following his shoulder surgery in the offseason. Obviously, we all just felt absolutely gutted when we watched Woody's press conference uh, before the playoffs announcing his injury. We were feeling really good going into that series. We thought they were going to beat the Diamondbacks. Instead, they lost in two games. The Diamondbacks went on to appear in the World Series, and the lasting image we had of Brandon Woodruff was him talking through tears about not being able to participate in the playoffs and then what that would mean for him going forward. But now he is back in the Brewers organization expected to miss 
uh, most of this season, if not all of it, but hopefully rehabs and is ready for 2025. Uh, I'll get out ahead of it even beyond a baseball sense. Uh, I'm just happy that this got done because Brandon Woodruff deserved better than for his Brewers tenure to end uh, with that heartbreaking moment. I'm, I mean, he's a guy that's been with the organization and uh, has had great moments with the organization, has been uh, you know, one of the best pitchers of this era, along with Corbin Burns and, and Freddie Peralta. So happy to see Woody back, even just for the off-the-field stuff and what he can bring in the clubhouse. And then you know we see what happens with this rehab. But I think a day that you and I uh, still held out hope for, uh, but are happy to see it finally come to fruition. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say that I don't care about the stuff like wins and losses in sports anymore. But as I get older and more cynical, I increasingly care less and less about that. And part of what does work on me is do I do I get to feel something good? Do does does my investment in all of these you know various ball games that I watch, um. Does it give me a return where, you know, I at least feel happy, where there's something at least to feel good about? And the answer a lot of the time is no, because sports is just a brutal business full of, you know, in lots of cases, routinely uh, cold characters. And there would not have been many greater instances, not that I'm faulting the Brewers for how it went down. It was all the worst luck and circumstance coming together at once, but it didn't get much colder than how Woody's tenure with the Brewers looked like it could have come to an end. I'm glad that is not the case. I'm glad that he will get to be back and around the organization. I'm glad that he like, he has a home to lock in and focus on his rehab um, because that is obviously very, very important for the remainder of his career. But by all accounts, by anyone in the media, by any players who've ever been around, he is just a really, really decent guy. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed rooting for him in our time doing this. Just like fun human being. When you watch him interviewed, he just a uh, human being. Maybe being the key, like he seems like a normal guy. Like very easy to root for because he just seems like oh, he's a normal guy. It's like this is his job and he really likes this job and he loves his family and he's invested in this place and this team because they've invested in him over the years. And it's very hard not to want to root for that. It doesn't hurt that he's one hell of a pitcher. We'll see when hopefully we do see him take the mound again in the future, what kind of pitcher he is at that point. Um, but honestly, in the moment, there is... a pretty significant element of that which just feels beside the point for me and um, this is a guy who i think is one of the better leaders in your organization and if you're going to have a season where you're going to have a lot of young and experienced pitchers being asked to step up or just guys who haven't really got a ton of big league experience i think having someone else who's just around the team to offer advice to help guide players through that like wade miley will in his role as a starter too I think that's a good thing, um, but I just it, it just feels like not only is it the right thing to do, we'll see what the numbers are. We, at our time of recording, have no details on that, but it, it also seems like a sensible gamble because if you can have Woody back, you see how he does his rehab, and if he gets a handle on it, let's not even assume he comes back to being the same guy because that is very, very difficult to imagine with this injury. 
if he comes back and he's 70% of the guy, he may not be your ace, but he would be a really, really strong starting pitcher for this Brewers team for another two, three years, you know, potentially more. We could see what happens. If it doesn't work out that way and this injury ends up being the end of it, well, that's, again, the cruel nature of sports. But I do think Woody earned this opportunity and the fact that he didn't get to what what would have been going out like on the mound, uh, I think was particularly grim. And also just to add to that, because obviously he is in this class of, you know, one of the most legendary pitchers the franchise has ever had. And Corbin Burns is in that class and Corbin Burns got traded away. The thing you and I were very consistent on and really kind of what endeared Woody to us is he's just a gamer. He's just, oh, it's a big game. He goes out there and he wants to go to battle. He's not afraid of mixing it up in a big game. That even mindset wise, that to me is the kind of role model you do want to have around your team still. So I just, I have no issues with this at all. I'm absolutely ecstatic that they have brought Brandon Woodruff back. As am I. Now I'll get to kind of my on-field take about it. So there are a number of different options and ways this could go, but like uh, broadly speaking, option A is he returns in a reduced capacity, like you said, and, and maybe he's not the ace of your rotation, not your number two, but a solid depth piece for a rotation that we expect to have a lot of young pitchers over the next few seasons. So even if that's the outcome, I like it Uh, from the middle portion of it. You know, he never gets healthy injuries derail his career. And like he's done, that's the opposite extreme. And then the other opposite extreme is that he returns and is the same guy that he's been. I think the first option is probably the most likely. I'm I'm not a doctor. Um, I found this uh, CBS sports article from when the surgery was happening in October from uh, Mike Axia. He mentioned other guys that have had that uh, interior capsule repair are John Danks, Rich Harden, Mark Pryor, and Johan Santana. Uh, and those kind of careers were, were never the same. Julio Arias, who uh, probably shouldn't be on major league mounds for other reasons than his shoulder, uh, had the uh, surgery in 2017 and obviously pitched successfully after that. He was 20, obviously, and, you know, with Woodruff being uh, in his uh, early 30s, that's a kind of a different situation. But if there's a guy I'm going to bet on to kind of buck the norm with recovery from this sort of injury, it's Brandon Woodruff. And that's the illogical fan in me speaking, but that's just kind of like what you expect from this guy to just attack every situation with the same way he's going to attack a lineup and that's by taking it head on and you know pounding the strike zone so to speak metaphorically and getting guys out so glad to have him back and i think the organization is uh smart to take the risk with this because of that upside even if you only get a middling result because him being able to come into 2025 and just provide innings in a back half of a rotation that includes dl hall maybe uh robert gasser Freddie Peralta, whoever it may be, he could almost, I mean, slide into the Miley role, obviously, from the right-handed side, if he's not, uh, you know, shove it down your throat, Brandon Woodruff, anymore. But he's a guy that I think, you know, we talk about his stuff and, like, how elite that can be, but also he's just a guy that really knows how to pitch. And 
as long as it's something where he can get on the field, even if there's lesser Brandon Woodruff there. I mean, I, I like taking the chance on him figuring out how to be a new version of himself. So I think from an on-field perspective, there's a lot of risk there. Obviously, we know that. But good on the Brewers for taking this risk with a guy who's just means so much to the organization. And this is the Brewers. So you're never in a position to go out and give a mega money extension. For example, to say, oh, no, Corbin Burns, we do want you here long term. We are going to pay you the top dollar that a Cy Young winner goes commands. And that means you're always trying to find some sort of, I don't know, uh, gamble that's worth taking that may pay off and may far kind of outperform what the outlay is going to be. And in this case, this wouldn't have been one of those type of gambles if not for the injury, and it now is. And there's every chance that the Brewers have got a, a very team-friendly deal on this. Um, which makes it worth their while to have a look. And if things pan out and Woody looks anything like Woody, again, not like just the same guy, but honestly, anything close to, if there's someone out there who can go and give quality innings and is just, you know, a legitimate starting pitcher, then we'll probably come out of it and be like, yeah, that's that's the way they should have moved on that. It was, it was a smart move. I do want to give the organization credit as well, because from the moment that they didn't tender him an offer. They did not close the door in terms of the language that was used at the time. Matt Arnold had quotes, which honestly kind of confused us in the moment, um, but very intentionally and knowingly left the door ajar. And now maybe with hindsight, we can go to probably two or three episodes where we went, you know, what is happening with Woody? How has he not landed somewhere yet? Maybe the answer is that he was never going to land anywhere else. Maybe maybe there was a clear enough and a strong enough understanding and a level of mutual respect there that it was always going to be, this deal was going to drop eventually. And it might've just been, you know, let, let's kind of take care of all the other business of the off season. And we'll, we'll look after you. We will kind of circle back to that. So in that regard, I got to give them credit because it does feel like from what Matt Arnold said at the time that they were out in front of this. And that is probably, not just essential to getting it done, but to getting it done in a way where you haven't created any, you know, poor feeling that's going to be an obstacle to that. Like Woody, Woody agrees to come back, and I have no doubt will be ecstatic to kind of just keep his career going where it has been for many years at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I can imagine that conversation being a pretty under understandable one on both sides, where the organization is saying, listen, like we have to non-tender tender you. This is the reality of the situation. You know, here's what we're offering for our two-year deal now. But also on Woody's end, like you get that kind of just abrupt change and you just had surgery. I understand wanting to kind of survey the landscape and just be like, what is out there for me? Talk to other teams, see what your agent uncovers. And then at the end of the day, the kind of familiarity of being with the Brewers organization his whole career is something that I imagine would be comforting. So, but, you know, taking a journey to get to this point and not happening just in the immediacy of the tender deadline um, completely makes sense. I'm glad we got here. Uh, Pat Murphy, I uh, was speaking to the media. Kevin Holden uh, tweeted some of his quotes on thing. I saw uh, Yelich also spoke about it. I didn't have that quote, but Murphy on Woodruff as an individual and a pitcher, he's special. You can't, uh, talk about the greatest era in Brewers history without talking about Woody trusted by every single person on his teams. One of a kind that echoes all the things that uh, we've been saying uh, since that 
uh, day happen. Uh, I see Yelich speaking now, but I'm not going to play it in my ears. I, but, uh... Well, I I can't give you a direct quote, but I did watch it, so I can paraphrase. And essentially, Yelich stressed even for the year ahead, just like, obviously, he didn't know what kind of role Woody may play on the field, but he was just stressing how important it would be to have him around the team and to have him as a leader and that he is one of the most important leaders on the Brewers for a number of years. So yeah, it's, it's all very much kind of along those lines, I guess, for the Brewers. It's, it is interesting that Bo Pat Murphy and Christian Yelich have talked about it because at our time of recording, the Brewers have yet to confirm this deal, which we probably should flag up because we will get to another element of that in a minute. But, um, I'm reassured by the fact that they are all just openly talking about Woody in a present tense kind of way. So am I, and we'll get to that pretty immediately. Uh, Kevin Holden also tweeting that Aaron Ashby this morning called Woodruff a role model for young players. Aaron Ashby, a guy familiar with rehabbing a shoulder injury, so, you know, maybe he can learn from Woodruff uh, in terms of, you know, kind of having a successful starting pitching career and it can be like a emotional support for Woodruff going through a shoulder injury. So and a mutual mentorship we... there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like it. Uh, anything else on Woodruff? Obviously we'll see how the rehab goes. We'll see um, probably by the next time we record, hopefully we have some quotes from him and yet more official things and like kind of see where he's at. I mean, my only thing is I'll go against something that you kind of alluded to or I don't want to see him in 2024. Hmm. I'm like, if you've, you've got him on a two year deal and you're prepared to do that, let's, let's give every chance that you get a version of Brandon Woodruff back who can be, you know, the guy that you've known and loved and that you can then look beyond that to keep for the remainder of his career. So I have no need to see Woody reappear late in the season if that happens, yeah, it could be great. It could be a big boost to Brewers, but there's just a lot on that at that time of year. There's a lot of pressure. It's a big spotlight. I think this might be one. We know it will be late in the year if he was to come back. And with that, I, I just don't see the need. I don't think it's worth it. And honestly, from his point of view, I wouldn't be... He'll want to play. Of course, he'll want to play, but I would be making sure that the next time I play, I have kind of gone above and beyond i've been as cautious as can be i'm as strong as i can be and that there's every chance that you know i can move past this injury if it is something where that's possible so i would be very content with not seeing brandon woodruff pitch in 2024 and just you know seeing him about the place that will be enough for me seeing him around the team around the guys by the end of the year and if 12 months from now we're excited at the prospect of Woody coming back as a starter that would really be great for me but look we'll see maybe he's fully healthy maybe he's back by the end of the year and maybe Woody is the difference maker in transforming a brewer season late on it's possible I just at this point I I wouldn't be giving it much thought or I'd be perfectly content to not see him this year. Like we were kind of, the Brewers are set up without him and we were planning without him and feeling uh, better than a lot of people admittedly about the Brewers rotation going into the season. I would just carry on that, that road and then, okay, let's see what we get back. Cause it was always, even when we talked about the possibility for other teams, it was going to be someone, hire, someone goes and signs Woody. The two year deal is 
basically going to be it because you're going to be eating one of those years to let him rehab. So we'll see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I'm fine with it, too. That's what I'm expecting. Uh, but, you know, if he's cleared, the only thing that I'll say is I don't want to be the person tasked with telling him uh, that he can't pitch in a in a playoff game or a game down the stretch. Uh, so good, good thing I don't work for the Brewers. Anyway, uh, that brings us to our next topic, also reported by John Heyman. What is it, 12 days ago now, Adam? On our last episode, we talked about the Brewers, uh, you know, in theory, signing Gary Sanchez to be backup catcher in a DH combo, guy that can come in and, uh, you know, provide some some pop if he's completely uh, right and, you know, playing like he was at the end of last season. And uh, that signing has not been made of. Uh, right before we hopped on, Adam, I uh, listened to the latest episode of Fair Territory with Ken Rosenthal. Someone had written in a question to him asking about Gary Sanchez, and he provided no reporting on hmm. the matter um but he did provide the obvious speculation that we're all suggesting that when a sound uh, signing is reported and it takes 12 12 days and you haven't heard anything official it's generally the physical because all of these deals are pending a physical uh, gary sanchez had a wrist injury that ended his 2023 season i believe so at this point his ken speculation was that you're looking at a similar situation with uh, the Dodgers and James Paxton, where a deal was reported and then it took a while to become official. And uh, the deal became more incentive based uh, with a little lower base salary for Paxton. So is that the situation we're looking at with Gary Sanchez? Will something officially get done? That would be my guess. I'm going to go along with Ken here and th- say that that's the, the smoke there is that's where the fire is. But yeah, something that we called out on the last last episode, we were like, "Hey, has this actually been made official?" I don't think it has. Anyway, and now now here we are, just still stuck in Gary Sanchez limbo. We don't we don't know when any light will be shed on this situation. Understandably, the Brewers are not talking about it when asked because in the situation where they don't sign him, and you're talking about, well, this guy's got a bum wrist and blah 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 blah, then obviously that opens them up to grievances being filed against them. So. Uh, yeah, that's where we're at with Gary. Yeah, it's funny because when the report initially happened, we were just mere minutes after finishing an episode, and our reaction was, "Oh no, we've we've missed that so much so that we came back and we, you know, let it headline our our previous episode to this one, 
Um, maybe we were right. Maybe we got lucky in missing them. We should never have done that episode. Who could say? We'll find out in time. I, I, again, we're, we are just speculating and anything could happen here. I think the other part of where there's a level of anxiety and people are talking about whatever it is, if it is 12 days that, oh, we haven't, we haven't seen this deal become official. We also have not seen any reporting that the deal has fallen true, which right. I would I would think if that was the case and you were Gary Sanchez's camp, you would be pretty eager to let the rest of you know rest of MLB know, hey, I'm not signing for the Brewers. I am available. Uh you know the kind of terms I want, like come talk to me. So the fact that it hasn't completely collapsed i think is also significant my guess would be that yeah maybe the physical brought up some concerns there's some renegotiating going on and that is not necessarily being as straightforward as both parties might like but it hasn't been enough that the whole thing has fallen apart either he hasn't landed with another team already so we'll see what happens there if if that deal does go true and the concerns that may have, you know, slowed things down don't prove to be something that really disrupts his play this season, I mean, I really think this is an exceptional, exceptional Brewers offseason. I I could not have drawn this up much better. Like, we're getting Woody back is kind of the bonus of it. I think pulling off the Corbin Burns trade that I know has not been the most popular with everyone, but you and I certainly like quite a lot. Um, I, I think there's just been really exceptional work done by Matt Arnold and the front office this offseason in what was a very challenging one, too, for all of the reasons that have had to be addressed for the prospect of trading Corbin Burns, for, you know, Brandon Woodruff getting that injury right at the end of the season, and then you're you're left in the position you are. To navigate all of those elements, and then just to, like, to be going and signing Reese Hoskins and hopefully someone like Gary Sanchez... I'm so, so impressed by what Matt Arnold has done this offseason. As am I, um, Adam. I it was uh it's always gonna be a tough needle to thread when you're trying to, you know, uh build for the future but also stay competitive, and that includes making difficult decisions on trading veteran players. Uh Willie Adamas still in camp, Adam, and you know, being featured heavily on uh, Brewer's social media, you know, interviewing his teammates, giving Brock Wilkin a hard time about being the last player to report. Uh, uh, I, I think I'm more in the camp now of Willie staying around and being another Woodruff and Miley type where there's an adult in the room with a lot of the prospects. So uh, I think this offseason has been navigated about as well as it possibly could have. Um, we'll see what shakes out with the the Gary Sanchez situation. I think you and I both like the signing and hope that it gets done, even if there is some risk with the wrist. Um, I think based on previous track record, Adam, I think it's safe to say that as soon as like we hit close on this Zoom meeting hmm. and we both go on with our respective uh, work days. Uh, no, no, I've another pod- Sanchez- it will be when I'm on another podcast, to be specific, yes. which I do have another one queued up later. So that's the window. GSPN.info, uh, you know, the Eurostep, uh, the Win in Six podcast, expect a new episode soon, a mailbag episode. Uh, make time for this talk of the tundra. Get them all. Uh, anyway, uh, I was talking about an infielder there, Willie Adamas, Adam. Uh, there's an outfielder that's getting some reps on the dirt 
this spring training for the Brewers. And I want to give you some credit because uh, Sal Freelich, it has been uh, reported, is gonna is getting some reps on the infield. I've seen the one video of him taking a kind of a bunt play from third base. He's gonna get some time uh, getting reps at second base. But you're really the pioneer on Sal Freelich infielder. Do you wanna do you wanna give us a, the scoop here on uh, hmm. how you saw the vision and where that panned out? Well, I do think I do think I mentioned this on, on a podcast at some point last year when we were talking about different options. Um, but not to do what is often one of my least favorite things that podcasters do uh, when they start to talk about how they're team building or how they're they're managing a franchise in a video game. Um, but I, I've been playing self real like at second base plenty in MLB The Show. That's, you, you know, <laughs> there have been some infield issues, the Brewers, and it hasn't been the area that has been most readily stocked with prospects coming up. We've got all these good outfielders. Uh, one of the things I was looking around, I was like, oh, Listen, the game tells me Sal Freelic can play second base. Well, Sal's going to see some second base. And it's worth it okay. It gives, it gives a non-Bryce Terang option, which I do think is literally what the Brewers are trying to do here. Um, and just come up with some greater flexibility in a video I saw was it yesterday on uh, on Twitter. And it is still Twitter to me. Um he was working a third base at the time, yes, but yes. listen, I'm all for it. I'm all for seeing what he's got in increasing his versatility and giving yourself options because it's one way to solve the potential log jam you could have if everything works out and all of these younger guys have a great season. You know, you would find yourself in a spot where you're just immediately like, well, we got to trade some guys. Um, what would be better than that? What would be better than that is if it all works out and you can, you know, move some of them to cover some of the gaps in the infield and then everyone is able to contribute in the season ahead and possibly beyond that. So I think I think it's interesting for Sal Freelich. And we've seen his knack for making very impressive athletic plays in spite of his shorter stature, Andrew. Um, that, to me, also is like somewhat encouraging in terms of I just feel like athletically he could be up to making some of the plays he would be asked to make in a way that wouldn't generally be true for a lot of outfielders. Um I can I could see the vision would be the way I can I'd put it. I can I can see the vision clearly. Whether it works out, whether we ever see it in a real or meaningful game, I mean the odds are probably still against that. But this should be what spring training is for. Like, I know we talked in the past, Reese Hoskins has taken that away now, but there was the whole thing about Yelly at first base, and was that something that would, you know, try these things in spring training? You never know what you might find or when it might become useful. You know, you could find yourself in a spot where you've got to do something a little bit out of left field, and then those reps become valuable. So I'm very much in favor of this as an experiment, whether it amounts to something that's real or not. Yeah, I'm never going to like be mad about trying to add more versatility to someone's game. Uh, Sal Freelich, uh, I was reading uh, plates infield primarily in high school. The last time he played infield with any sort of regularity. And I use the term regularity very loosely 
or I get no, actually, eh, it was he had like a not quite an even split, but he played in the Futures Collegiate Baseball League summer ball in 2020. Uh, got five games at uh, second base, and it looks like eight games at shortstop in that league. And obviously, has been an outfielder uh, at the minor league level and uh, in college at Boston College. Um, but yeah, just get on the dirt and see what shakes out. I think his athleticism, like you said, uh, is what will lend to that versatility. I think he played hockey and was a quarterback in high school as well. Does that sound he, correct? He definitely I, played hockey. I I don't know his position playing high school football, but he definitely he was supposedly a pretty good hockey player. Uh, yeah. So the football, South Freelick football, it looks like if what I'm looking at correctly, he did play football. Uh, this according to this Gatorade <laughs> Player of the Year report, 2017 18, 3,746 total yards of offense and 51 touchdowns. Uh, if that's <laughs> if that's accurate, I don't know if that was a full season or full career. Whatever it was, sounds pretty good to me. Sal Freelick, the athlete, you can play quarterback, you can play second base. He had seven outs above average combined in the outfield last year. This is a team with like. A luxury of uh, or an abundance of plus outfielders, at least from a defensive perspective. Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, Freelick, uh, Jackson Chorio, all profile to be plus to elite at all three defensive outfield positions. Now you got Sal getting on the dirt using the 11 and a half inch glove. Uh, I really want to see him turning some double plays on feeds from Willie or Joey Ortiz. I'm excited to see that. The, the Brewers have just given themselves options. I mean, we've seen them having a willingness to do this. Bryce Terang in Nashville got some time in the outfield. Uh, I think uh, that would have been the 2022 season. So, um, yeah, I think it I, – I don't know if we'll, like, see this in a major league game. I think we'll definitely see it in the spring training game, and I will definitely be tuning in to see Sal Freelick on the infield and see if he gets some action. Uh, you know, obviously you can't predict that and you can't force the action in those games, but I want to will it into existence because I want to know what it looks like. Um, they, I mean, the outfield and the infield now, they don't have quite the like ceiling of talent as uh, the outfield having like Chorio, but Joey Ortiz, Tyler Black, uh, Terang's still trying to figure some things out with the bat, but we'll see what he's got this year. Add Freelick to the mix. Essentially, got Oliver Dunn uh, in there as well. Uh, the infield mix of major league available prospects is starting to be uh, pretty appealing as well. Brock Wilkin, uh, who we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, Todd Rosiak of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel dropped a, a good article about him and uh, Murphy speaking about his potential and when they expect to see him in the big leagues. Probably more of a 2025 discussion. Uh, but yeah. Uh, spring training is just the time of the year to just dream on things. I mean, it's best shape of their life season, Adam. Uh, yeah. Andre Monasterio has added nine pounds of muscle, muscle. or was it twelve? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it might have been nine. I don't. I, I don't know. I've been. You see so many like weight conversations about guys coming into spring looking ripped. I mean, Yelly's. I don't want to objectify him, but Yelly's biceps were looking uh, like ready to go uh, in those shots of him in the cage. Um, it's just. It's just that time of year, Adam. Yeah, we've never objectified Brewers players on this podcast anyway, that's for sure. So we would hate for that to happen. I just, there was one other thing that um wasn't quite on our agenda, but that I just, I, I stumbled across, it was from earlier today, I'd missed it. I don't know if you've seen yeah, this, you know, I, I, you know where I'm going. Yeah. You saw me, yeah. you probably saw me laughing as I read it. Um, 
an article went up on the Athletic today by Evan Drellich. Is it Drellich? Drellich? Drellich. The next MLB commissioner. Nine names to watch in search for Rob Manfred's successor. You probably guessed at me bringing it up. One of the names on this list is one Mark Adonazio. Um... I'll read, I'll read the segment and there's a quote at the end and I'll just I'll break that up and we can we talk specifically about the quote. Um, so, the Brewers' Mark Adonazio is one of the better regarded owners today. He was a rumored candidate even back in 2014 when Manfred was elected and his name is again popping up. He was one of the owners advising Manfred on labor during the last CBA and used to be on Manfred's executive council too. But one lead owner really want the job. Speaking generally, and certainly not on behalf of any owners, although he does talk to many, Agent Scott Porras suggested a current lead owner might be unlikely to pursue the gig. The quote from Scott Porras is, The commissioner's job is for millionaires, not billionaires. It's not for owners. Owners are billionaires now. End quote. What? Scott Boris, would you say if I was to tell you there might be an owner out there who is in fact still a millionaire? This is uh this is gonna be like the American presidency. Uh, w- looked like it was gonna shape up. Uh, w- before Hillary was never president, I it looked like it was gonna be like Bush Clinton, Bush Clinton, Bl- Bush Clinton. Uh, so maybe it's like former Brewers owners as baseball commissioners just alternating until the end of time. Uh, that's a that's a really funny quote. I think Boris is just like in his bag so often, like in between seasons. I think I think it was Boris that wrote, Ken Rosenthal was studying, excuse me, quoting on the podcast today. By, oh God, it had to happen uh, by calling any kind of uh, deadline for signing a death line. So Scott Boris is really just you know he he throws ninety eight sometimes with these quotes and uh, yeah. Uh, Maybe you should give less quotes and, you know, just get on with his clients, you know, futures. Well, Adam, you talked about having a great offseason. You want to talk about a perfect offseason. Do you want infield options? Matt Chapman, one year, $25 million. Come on down to Milwaukee. Get on the dirt with Sal Freelick. Show him how to barehand a bunt. Not impossible. Look, a lot of other things that we've kind of wanted to happen this offseason have come to fruition. Um... Honestly, Reese like Hoskins, Woody, like these things have we've talked some things into existence. Let's keep it going. Yeah, dating back to last summer, I think Mark Canna was uh, a name that you know I wanted for selfish reasons. Uh, it worked out. He played well. He had my second favorite Brewers moment of the regular season. Uh, and then uh, you know maybe Matt Chapman's next on the list. Uh, we've been manifesting some stuff, so that's. To, to your point, yeah, Hoskins in that list as well, as you mentioned. Uh, one more. What's not one more? I'm not super greedy, but I am greedy. Um, Adonazio as commissioner, sure, I could see it. Uh, I, I've, I wonder if they might go with like a kind of outside of the box move this time because of the kind of uncertain nature of the future of baseball with the TV stuff and, and how that's going to look. Maybe they want a fresh perspective but maybe that would come in sort of an advisory role uh who else was on the list do you have that handy or or yeah i I can i can run through the list um i saw theo epstein was on it in terms of other people within organizations uh 
that would kind of go along with the timeline of what he's doing, like joining the Red Sox ownership group right now. He's being tasked with helping find Jurgen Klopp's replacement as well. He's do, giving some advisory stuff on the Penguins. So maybe Epstein like hangs out with FSG for four years and, and then becomes commissioner. I could, I could see that. Sam Kennedy, another Red Sox figure oh, yeah. on the list. Um, from outside of the league office and organizations, Casey Wasserman, uh, Bob Iger. Bob Iger's on the list. I hadn't got that far. That would be honestly wild if, if Bob Iger finally gets Disney wrestled away from his hands. At that age, at that point, probably like 79-year-old Bob Iger is like... Who's hey, the terrible uh, HBO guy? Oh, Zaslav. Yeah. <laughs> he might. He honestly might be a fit for MLB commissioner. He's, he's gonna be like, can we delete games? <laughs> like, we don't. Forget sending the A's to uh to Vegas. We're just gonna we're just gonna write them off for tax purposes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, the other inside the commissioner's office, we had Deputy Commissioner Dan Halem, uh, Deputy Commissioner Noah Garden, Chris Maranak, who's Chief Operations and Strategy Officer, Morgan Sword, who's Executive VP of Baseball Operations. Of course. I mean, if Adonazio wants the job and he feels good about it, it is a a well-trod path to go from Brewer's owner to commissioner of Major League Baseball. I mean, on the serious part of it, too, uh, we weren't particularly big fans of it at the time, but he did have a very prominent role in uh, Rob Manfred's kind of committee for relocation for the A's as well. So there, there really is no doubt the closeness of their working relationship um, for better and for worse, I guess, from a brewer's perspective, there are definitely instances where that could be for better, and there probably are some too where that might have been for worse. I don't know. It seems. I mean, Adonazio's got other stuff. It's it seems more like I I think for a certain for someone from within ownership like Tio Epstein that makes sense given his career path to now. It seems like a baseball lifer's job. Like in theory, that's what it should be. Um, I'm I'd be actually lying if I said I know what Rob Manfred's like history is his his past life. Um, I think he was uh the league's like he was chief egg. off for operating officer, so he's worked up I guess internally too. Wasn't he like the lawyer that would basically just like mm-hmm. fight against the union <laughs> as well? He sure did. He was their collective bargaining lawyer from 1987 and then ultimately he worked his way up to ops positions before becoming commissioner like that does seem more likely Adonazio his his business has been outside of baseball until right. the brewers so that Here's would the probably thing about... be a, it's it's just interesting to see his name on the list yeah and I think all those connections are probably why that's a good point that you bring up um but so I read the Q&A that Todd Rosiak conducted earlier in the week. You know, we've seen video of him. Like, I think it was the end of the 2022 season, was it? With, the, like, the, the town hall and everything. For all the mean jokes we've made at his expense, I think he genuinely cares about the Brewers. And, like, I think, like, he's obviously got the stake in football now. He probably likes doing that. Like, I don't know that it's, it doesn't strike me as something that he would want. Um, but yeah, I don't know, you know, I've, n- I've never 
broken bread with him or shared a beer with him. I've sh- shared a beer near him uh, when we were sitting very close to his seats for that uh, Mets game. I think that was the Garrett Mitchell walk-off moment. I don't uh, know if he was having a beer. Like, you uh, were having well... a beer, you know? He's just... He was breathing in the fumes of your, your beer, maybe, more than sharing a beer yeah, with like, you. Yeah, he was... Yeah, he was doing that. Um, but yeah, that's interesting to see him mentioned. Um, what is next for baseball? What is next, Adam? I don't know. It might be Mark uh, Adelazio. It might be. I hope it's Bob Iger. I that's honestly that was like a, I don't know a M Night Shyamalan twist at the end of that article, and I scrolled there and saw Bob Iger's name. That would be. Honestly, well, I think he could be handsome with Zaslav. Zaslav is like <laughs> exactly the right kind of, you know, unsavory and unpopular to be a major league sports commissioner. That's that's really he kind of he fits the he fits the mold. Fans would not have a hard time like booing David Zaslav. I think the NBA needs him. Because then he'll just uh, get rid of the All-Star game and then people won't be able to complain about it on Twitter anymore. He'd be... Uh, all these leagues are talking about expansion. He genuinely would be like, it's time to, it's time to contract. You know, let's, He'd be let's like, get rid why of these do teams. you have all these teams? <laughs> like Some of these places aren't real. Come on, you gotta get rid of these teams. Um, well, you got anything else? I don't think so. I mean... Uh, shout out local journalism. Go watch any of the like classic early spring pieces from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on like Jacob Mizarowski just throwing absolute bullets. Uh, Pat Murphy talking about Brock Wilkins' future. There's you know so much good stuff out there. The team account put out like a a sounds of spring training video that like it's just something that I want to play in my ears every night before I go to sleep. It's just I love this time of year, Adam. I'll just actually one other thing that you remind me for there in the local journalism section we meant to on the last episode and I, I believe we forgot, which is send well wishes to um, Brewers beat writer Adam McCalvey, who is not at spring training due to some scary uh, health stuff he's been doing with himself. So best wishes to Adam McCalvey, who's always one of the most invaluable sources for that stuff, the work he does and Todd Rosiak and Kurt Hogue and kind of all of those people who regularly kind of have all angles of the Brewers be covered is is essential for all fans. It's essential for us. And yeah, by all accounts, it sounds like pretty scary stuff. So get well soon, Adam McCalvey. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for reminding me of that. I know we talked about that last episode as it was just kind of breaking via his tweet. Uh, one thing I'll say about Milwaukee to just echo off that point is like the guys on the beat and working for MLB.com and the paper cover this team so well. Like I've seen teams not get covered well. And I've been a fan of a team that was not covered well. And, and this is just great. And obviously all the podcasts with, you know, local brewers fans, and then our unique little podcast where we uh, cover it from afar and then parachute in more on that later. Um, uh, it's like a nice, a nice ecosystem of, uh, content and journalism mixed together and i think uh it makes the brewers a very pleasant team to follow in my opinion uh because there's a lot of negativity and that exists obviously in every fan base but i found three years adam as a brewers fan and doing this podcast with you to be one of the more like rewarding sports fandoms 
uh, in my life. And that's, you know, without even a playoff win. So I'm, I'm ready for that as, as the next step, but uh, the community is, is top notch. Uh, Craig lost it, but we, we gained it. Very, very true. Second all of that. All right. That does it for this episode. We'll be back next week. I will say in advance, we'll be back. Are we, we will we be back next week? We should be. There's an outside chance we won't have an episode next week. I am away on some travels and then I have, you know, other stuff to do. So we might have some challenges just in working things out logistically. It will be towards the back end of next week if we do have an episode. This does kind of ensure that Matt Chapman is going to sign with the Brewers and Andrew will be, I don't know, doing a solo pod or roping in Numac or something. I, I'll look, I'll listen to it. I look forward to it, Andrew, if that happens. Um, but subscribe. I might just have like a revolving door of like listeners just pop on and we can just nice. be like, oh, sick, sick was Matt Chapman being signed. Great. All right. Bye. And then we'll just do that for an hour. <laughs> it's going to be like some sort of, I don't know, uh, Mike and Mad Dog kind of setup. You're just going to take, take phone ins, just old school talk radio, Andrew Snyder. I think so. How do I make that happen logistically? We don't know yet, Adam, but uh, my best people are on it just in case uh, that happens. Well, whenever the next episode is, subscribe to make sure you don't miss it. Cruising for Bruising, wherever you get your podcasts. We are weekly throughout the vast majority of the year, and we are multiple times a week throughout the season after every single Brewer series, spring training, all of those games. You might be like, I won't be watching those games. I'll can tell you someone who will though. Andrew Snyder will be watching those games, so we'll have some some thoughts, some takes, and we'll continue to react to all of the the nuggets and quotes from around the Brewers in the weeks and months ahead as we get ready for the new season. Can I say something on that about me watching sure. things like a psychopath? Um, I was so I'm going to Liverpool again at the end of March, early April. It coincides with the opening weekend of the season, and as I was planning out my itinerary, I was very excited that. Uh, every Brewers game tended to coincide with me being crashed at my hotel. So I was really excited about that. So I, they can't stay away from me. Truly impossible to stay away from you. For everything else we do at the Eurostep Podcast Network at GSPN. First, we've got our books podcasts, the Eurostep and Winning Six. They can be found on the Eurostep Podcast Network feed. Time edition, Rowan Cotty, covering all things on the Eurostep. Me and Jordan Tresky adding, I don't know, the color, uh, the the weather, the beaten down, the alternative take. Is that a, is that the way to describe this? I feel like Ty Rowan, like, do the, they cover the nuts and bolts. And then Jordan and I just kind of be like, eh. that's kind of the groove we fall into. People who like it. For all things Green Bay Packers, we've got Talking Tundra with Jordan and Numac. If you like movies, pop culture, all that kind of stuff, you can hear even more from Andrew and I over on Make Time for This. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Brandon Woodruff.